correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here tonight with my friend Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) That's a loaded question, but... I heard you were in the dark much of the weekend, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, instead of figuratively this time, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually in the dark about things, but yeah, this weekend it was it was fun. We didn't have power from uh, Thursday night till Saturday evening, like almost same time Saturday night. So, jeez. Yeah. That's, fun. that's two days fun. without power. But anyways, we're back online. We're back going. We're going to get our podcast recorded for the week. But before we do that, we need to shout out a podcast for the week. Oh, who are we shouting out this week, Steve? I think it's going to be the wonderful folks over at Squad Tactica. Uh, Sugi. Yep. Our buddy Sugi. So what's Squad Tactica about, Steve? Squad Tactica is a Warhammer 40k kill team podcast focused on the kill teams and narratives they forge. They talk about kill team rules, fluff, squad building, customization, personal narrative, and battle reps. It's a show all about Kill Team and the exciting things that they get to experience as they explore the game or what the game has to offer. Yeah, very cool folks over at Squad Tactica. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of my painting advice from the folks over at Squad Tactica. Yeah. Uh, his Discord is, is really cool. If you're into mini painting, there's a lot of really talented people over there. Yeah, if you're into minis in general, his Discord's really good. Mm-hmm. But with that, we reached out to our Discord this week to get us a topic. Mm-hmm. And Dan suggested that we talk about weird genre mixing RPGs. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in our Discord and you're going, man, they picked the first one that was listed there. No, we didn't. We rolled a die and we crit failed. So <laughs> don't come at me with that. We we saw you, but you know, we picked one at random and random said the first one. So Yep. Speaking of which. You get to hang out in our Discord occasionally when I can't think of a topic idea for the week. I will just throw up in the Discord an exploding message that asks for disc for topic ideas for the podcast. Mm-hmm. This is not the first time. No, this is not the first time, and I can guarantee it will not be the last. So if you come join our Discord, me and Steve Talk RPGs, you can get to participate in that. You also get to participate in all the fun conversations that happen on our Discord. You get to hear me randomly find things on Kickstarter like Orkborg. Yeah, Orkborg. Or, uh, you know, you can talk to former guests. Miguel mm-hmm. hangs out on our, our podcast or on our Discord occasionally. And mm-hmm. I mean, Justin, Justin yeah. Eacock was just in there suggesting topics for the night's episode. Mm-hmm. Brett Bowen. Yeah, Brett's a regular on our Discord. There's a lot of people. If you want to come hang out, come hang out. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll talk and argue about just about anything gaming related yeah and occasionally when i have the energy and the time to i'll go on and sit in general chat and even just talk to our audience yeah so you can come argue with me about anything Mm -hmm. gamer related that's true but 
genre bending RPGs. I mean, well, I let's, don't even know. let's start with defining genre bending. Cause I know you're going to say, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> well, kind of, I mean, like, because is that things that like, okay, Shadowrun, you know, for the longest time I heard Shadowrun described as cyberpunk with magic. Yeah. I think it's kind of that. I think of like when, I, when I hear genre bending, the first thing that comes to mind is rifts. Well, see, to me, Rifts is, is, I forever will joke about it, is the kitchen sink RPG. And I think to a certain point, that may be where Shadowrun was never a game I was that keen to check out because Rifts was a game that I discovered early on was really the first setting that I went like, oh, wow. And, and Rifts is a little bit of everything. I jokingly refer to it as a kitchen sink system because... If you dig hard enough, there might be rules to play the kitchen sink. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, but then there's stuff like stuff that you don't really think about that's genre, bend, genre bending that is. I mean, we just recently, within the past couple months, had uh, Chris Spivey on to talk about Haunted West. That's mm -hmm. a genre bending game. I mean, granted, it's kind of in its in a genre amongst other games of like a paranormal wild west game but at, at its core it is a mix between you know well he's got such a strong historical element in that game right so you you have a historical west game mixed with mixed with a uh what do you want to call it mixed with a uh very interesting it's it's weird west but not yes, like, that's it not like wild wild west weird west but it includes that right so you have stuff like that or then there's stuff just like see my mind immediately goes to like stuff like troika which is troika, just yeah weird like they just turned the weird meter all the way up um another one you know, ultraviolet grasslands which i mean self-described yeah, about as, that way back in the day you know psychedelic heavy metal the dying earth meets oregon trail well i mean <laughs> neurosity yeah and uh, warpland so warpland yeah yeah hell knight is coming out and that's going to be a really cool genre bending game yeah in its own way yeah you're bending the genres of like uh i don't even know what you would really call it like biker fiction and metal <laughs> i don't know yeah it's but they, well but then okay morgborg is doom metal fantasy right i mean that's, that's what it was designed as right right or or you have you know stuff that's really dark like um cult divinity mm -hmm. lost that's, you know, reading through that, that's sort of like a, a religious cyberpunk game. See, I never got a cyberpunk vibe from it, but it is very, it's got religious overtones. It's very dark, modern, occult horror. Yeah. But like, I guess at one point too, you know, everything at this point. Everything mixes everything. Right. And I wonder at some point, are we as a society are we so eager to put labels on things that we just invent a genre for everything we see well i took a film class back when i was in college because i wanted to needed an art credit and one of the things they talked about in that film class was that genre is not like genre being not a tangible thing means that it's not an actually real thing it's something that we ascribe we ascribe things to genre. It's not a tangible item or an actual thing. So what somebody might say is, is, you know, somebody's definition of horror versus your definition of horror and my definition of horror can be two different things. 
And so that means that a movie that's in a horror genre may not be in a horror genre for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting conversation to have. That's a little bit too deep, I think for this episode, but yeah, the idea that genre is something that genre is what you make it genre is what you ascribe the media that you're consuming to. Mm -hmm. Right. And so genre bending is, I mean, there's a lot of things that are genre bending, like in even in like, let's go, let's go even weirder. I would say that Eberron is genre bending for a, for a D and D campaign. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily argue that. I don't know. I don't know exactly what I define Eberron as. I mean, it, but it intentionally kind of includes everything, but is nothing. Right. And I, that sounds like almost like like a like a complaint, and I don't mean it that way because I think it's an amazing setting. But like, there's room, and I think to me that's why the setting appeals to me is that there's room in Eberron to go and do. You know, if you want to go more classic high fantasy, you've got on dare, you know, all that. You know, depending on what you want to do, you can go to different regions. And and get really different flavors all in the same world, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, in that way, is Star Wars genre bending as an RPG? Because that universe is so big, you can tell a lot of different stories. I think it depends on which version you're playing. Well, I, I'm thinking more in the context of the setting than than the mechanics, but well, yeah, I I'm uh, yeah. I, I I make more making a joke about um Weg Star Wars being absolutely bonkers because I recently started looking into West End Games Star Wars and it a lot of stuff in there uh, and a lot of it's not I don't know in line with canon Star Wars if that makes any sense well not anymore it defined some of what was canon Star Wars for a while though. right right it did and I understand that but as time's gone on it's not been favorable. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, haven't aged as, as well as some others. You know, look at Vince Neil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look at Mick Jagger. <laughs> well, um, but I mean, yeah, jeez, oh, genre bending. I mean, you know, what, what, I don't even, that's a weird one. Like, and yet I, I understand what it means. And I think in a lot of times that's kind of where I draw to games is games that are kind of like an odd mix. Mm -hmm. You know, or I agree. Or... I, I agree completely. My, my um, draw in games is usually the weird genre mixes. And then it's like, okay, if you say post-apocalyptic, well, that can be everything from Mad Max to riffs is technically post-apocalyptic. A lot of stuff like that. I mean, but, you know, Mutant Year Zero is post-apocalyptic. So is Twilight 2000. Mm -hmm. They're very different games. Another genre-bending game, speaking of that, is... um. Oh, no. It just left my mind. The world is called Mort. Um, Mort, Mort, Mort. Uh, oh, Slay. Slay Industries. That's it. Yeah. That's another genre-bending game. Yeah. In a way, it's it's... I mean, it is like a dark, gritty, noir type thing, but it's got cyberpunk elements. It's, and then, you know, what do you call games like, uh, well, here's, here's one that's, that's kind of a weird genre mix is, um, Mutant City Blues. Yeah. 
which is, you know, X-Men meets, you know, oh my gosh, my brain's gone dead. Uh, Law and Order, you know, well. Any sort of noir or anything like that. Yeah, well, it's a a superhero police procedural. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's, although, but then you have Jessica Jones, which the second edition of Mutant City Blues is set up with a private eye mode that I would guess, you know, would, would effectively emulate, like, jessica jones if you were playing and maybe even solo mm-hmm. um so i mean but then is is superheroes genre bending just in and of itself i think it depends i think it depends on the on the um game that you're playing and the type of game that you're playing so let me sort of elaborate on that so like um aberrant by um white wolf right mm-hmm. that's a genre bending Super's game, right? Mm-hmm. But something like Mutants and Masterminds really isn't. It is stays sort of true to the genre of supers, right? Yeah, it's much more a comic book supers. Right, it's comic books and even a little bit of the movies. Like, it's very much a by-the-books type of thing. Mm-hmm. Or any, you know, any official supplements like a, like a Marvel superhero game, right? Mm-hmm. But like I said, there are those there are those supers games that are genre mix and a genre bend. And I, I'm very excited to see it. It looks like and I'll just say this since we're talking about supers, it looks like 2022 is going to be a really good year for superheroes games or this year or next year. Yeah, because there's a lot of lot of people on the inside talking about, oh, I'm working on a this or I'm working on a that. So, you know. Yeah. Very cool stuff uh, to keep an eye out. And we will, you know, sort of keep you updated on the situation. Yeah. But it, well, what information we get. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, well, genre bending is is everything. I mean, yeah. Well, well, OK, like, but I think you also have to say, you know what? Most things, I think, are a bend of, of genres in some way or shape or form. You know, like like a game like say Feng Shui or Feng mm-hmm. Shui or however it's supposed to be pronounced, I'm not honestly sure. You know, that's designed to emulate that Hong Kong cinema style, which is right. I guess maybe a style more than a genre, but there's a lot of genre that you can do with that with that flavor. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know that that's a genre in and of itself, but it kinda is. Everybody knows sort of what you're talking about when you're well. I, I wouldn't say everybody, but most people know what you're talking about when you're talking about that Hong Kong cinema style movies. You know, if you if you talk about a, a Jackie Chan movie and people know what you're talking about, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and so I mean, Daniel, you, I'm gonna have to get off here and watch some Jackie Chan movies tonight. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I'm just gonna sit down and do that because that sounds like a good time right about now. Oh, Jackie Chan stuff is so much fun. Well, even his his like legitimate kung fu movies that he made in in China are fantastic. They're mm-hmm. so good. Like, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Sorry. I actually years ago I read his. He had an autobiography out like 20 some years ago that I read. I still probably have it somewhere. Mm. It was kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, why? But, I, mean, right. yeah, like I, I didn't said, mean to distract you. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, genre bending is like, I don't even know what that really is 
other than I think that to a certain point, that's, I mean, is that almost everything other than like Pendragon, which is, you know, Arthurian legend? Yeah, that, and there's a couple that are, you know, Pendragon. I think it's, 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 um, what's, um, I'm trying to think. There's a couple other that are, that are sort of straight, very straight, um, type of games. Oh, I'm sure there are. I mean, well, like you said, you know, in, in, in its own way, you know, Mutants and Masterminds, probably the, the forthcoming Marvel game. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are very much traditional superhero games but like you know what what is Numenera I mean Numenera is post-apocalyptic fantasy that's so far past technology that they've reverted kind of like yeah. you know it's it's I mean that's what is Warpland though well in, in, in if, we're way, yeah. Jeopardy, if, we're, <laughs> if we're playing Jeopardy and you start describing that, I ring my buzzer and go, what is Warpland? Well, no, yeah, I, did, I didn't mention acid, but well, <laughs> and I mean, I don't mean, you know, like, you know, literal sense, but it has, you know, Warpland has a very kind of psychedelic feel to it. it. It does. Like I said, if we're, if we're playing Jeopardy, I'm ringing my buzzer and going, what is Warplands? Nope. Sorry. We're looking for Numenera. Well, look at what oh. was the, was it Invisible Sun? Yes. The Invisible the, Sun. The, Salvador Dali inspired artwork and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's literally bending. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know how genre bending that is. It's just literally bending. What's it bending? Clocks, people. I don't know. I mean, yeah. And then where do you throw in games that like are intentionally setting this like Genesis or Savage Worlds or. I think that's when you have to sort of look at the. You you sort of look at the settings that are being provided. So like Keyforge, I was just gonna say that Keyforge is a really I not that I have a ton of interest in it, but it's a really cool setting. Like I started looking at it a little bit, and like it's got some neat stuff here. Just you know, not my jive, but I'm not gonna say it's not like a weird genre bend. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I and then on the inverse. And and I'll sort of I'm gonna gripe a little bit about this. Shadow of the Beanstalk is about as generic cyberpunk as you can get. And that's coming from somebody who loves the game that is literally just called Cyberpunk. I played some Shadow of the Beanstalk, and so I've been doing a lot of looking at Shadow of the Beanstalk. And that game has well, that setting has some interesting things. And I will say that the Beanstalk is a cool concept in and of itself, but the world is too polished for my tastes. I, I, Shadow of the Beanstalk occasionally, and as I was reading it, really feels like cyberpunk through the lens of Apple. Like if Apple was, <laughs> if Apple was the ones to be the big, huge corporations, you know, and not the military industrial complexes like it is in cyberpunk or in in the cyberpunk game, right? Mm. I think you would end up with something like Shadow of the Beanstalk, where everything is clean and aesthetically pleasing, and there is grime, but man, you got to really dig to find it. You know what I mean? Yeah, see, I think the tools are there to play the cyberpunk that you and I want, but the setting as they have it written and you know i have the book as well and i haven't actually read it read it but i've spent a lot of time flipping through it and it it does you're right it feels 
it feels too polished. And I don't know, you know, that some of that I'm sure is, is my personal taste. Right. But I, I'm like you. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely saying it's, it's personal taste on that one. But yeah, I just feel like it's, it's kind of hard coming off of cyberpunk red and going to Android shadow of the beanstalk and being like, okay, we're going to come off of cyberpunk red and play a gritty cyberpunk game. When it's like, I, I almost feel like this is a, it's a gritty cyberpunk game through the lens of like a Saturday morning cartoon. I, I wouldn't say that. I, I just, I think for lack of a better way to say it, you and I probably because of that being our kind of initial exposure, subscribe to the Pondsmithian view of cyberpunk. Well, but it, I don't think it's just Pondsmith. I, I don't no. know. It's a, a lot of the cyberpunk media I consume. I want to be dirty and grimy. I was just complaining to you the other day. I messaged you and was like, man, I need a good, dirty, grimy, nasty cyberpunk TV show. <laughs> and, yeah. and there just isn't like, yeah, there's stuff. I, I started Altered Carbon or Altered Carbon and it's got a little bit of that and that's fine. But no, it. When I subscribe, when I want to play cyberpunk, I'm not so much in it for like the really clean side of it and like the futurism. It's more of that like almost dystopian for me. See, you don't want to know what to me almost has a cyberpunk vibe and it just kind of hit me just now. Hmm. And I've only actually watched about half of it right now, but the original animated Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cowboy Bebop is very... um, Cowboy Bebop is is space western and it is, cyberpunk, but it's got that vibe. It does have the cyberpunk vibe. I think that's because of its setting. Like at its core, the stories that Cowboy Bebop tell are very, very much western stories. You know, they're bounty hunters looking for their next meal, right? Mm-hmm. But all the surroundings, all the trappings are like we're on Mars, or we're in space, or we're on the Bebop, or we're you know we're looking for some weird space drugs or, you know what I mean? Like, but it's all the, it's all the trappings around cyberpunk, which is cool. I love, I love cowboy bebop so much. Well, that's okay. So then just to, to chase this rabbit a little further down the hole is cyberpunk in some ways, almost a futuristic Western. I think it depends on the story you're trying to tell. Fair. Because I, I argue that, one of the most pivotal pieces of cyberpunk media, which is Blade Runner, is not a Western. That's a film noir. Mm-hmm. That's a detective film. Yeah. Um, you know, other stuff like stuff like Johnny Mnemonic may be a Western in a way uh, where you're you're sort of experiencing the story about a guy who's smuggling something that could kill him. Which, if you haven't watched Johnny Mnemonic recently, that movie's great. I haven't watched it. It's been quite a while. I was just thinking the original Matrix is definitely very cyberpunk, but I, I wouldn't think of it as a Western. Yeah, it's not. I I don't, I look, that's another, I sort of look at it as a Hong Kong action movie. Because that's what the first Matrix was really, Matrix was really meant to be. Mm-hmm. With a lot of social commentary. But, yeah, no, I, I think... You know, it, it, there is there is some media that is Western when it comes to cyberpunk, and there's some media that's not. And I think that's part of why I like cyberpunk so much as a genre, because there's a lot of um, 
a lot of stuff that you can do with a cyberpunk story. Well, but see, I think that's where your your in all honesty, your genre mix comes in, right? I think it doesn't necessarily have to be in the world that's been built. It's the stories that you tell. Because like my wife and I have, have recently started watching the TV series Yellowstone. Right. And we're I'm not gonna spoil anything for anybody, I don't think anyway. Uh, but we're oh a couple episodes into the second season now. And it occurred to me that this is a mob movie told through the lens of a Western, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and yet it does have a modern Western feel to it all the same. Well, and then there's stuff like, I mean, to go back to Star Wars, we both love the Mandalorian and it's no stretch to say that at its core, the Mandalorian is a Western told through the lens of Star Wars. Oh, very much so. They didn't even really try to hide it. Uh-uh. No. No, down to, like, season two, when you start getting introduced to, oh, here's our generic western town. Yeah. So, that's, you know. Yeah, well, but isn't there the, the old, and, and you probably remember this from, but the, the what is it, there's seven basic stories that everything else is just a, a mix of? Yeah, yeah, they, I've, I've heard that before. And I think that's that's a thing that's easy to to see if you look back in on something, right? You know, I don't think you start that way. You know, yeah, but, I I think it it gets a little mucky when you're trying to like the hero's journey is something that you can tell a billion different ways. Well, right, that's that's what I'm saying though. Like, you know, it's like music. I mean, there's twelve notes on the Western music scale. Mm-hmm. You can put them together in you know, an infinite number of ways. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, um, yeah, yeah go, ahead. go ahead. So, I mean, like, uh, and yet I think for me, you know, like we said early on, I think that, that, that bending of things is kind of, kind of sometimes where things get interesting, but yet sometimes I don't want that, you know, like part of me really, like I would happily play if, if someone said, Hey, do you want to play in this shadow run game? And I was available. I would go do it. I'm sure I would. Yeah. Yeah. I'd even, I would even learn that system just to play that game. At the same point, if you offer me the choice between cyberpunk and Shadowrun, I'm probably going to pick cyberpunk 90% of the time because in my brain, I like that genre better without the magic, I think. Well, that's just a personal taste thing. Yeah. Right. But like where, and this is, I was trying to say this earlier, but I think part of the reason I never gravitated towards Shadowrun is because I had found riffs and riffs to me felt like I could do everything in riffs that I could do in Shadowrun, but there was stuff I could do with riffs that I couldn't with Shadowrun. Right. Oh yeah. I know the feeling, you know, I, I don't know if that makes, you know, but you know, I've been thinking too, and I was wondering, and I don't know the dates, but looking back on it now, I can see there was definitely some influence probably going back and forth, maybe even between Rifts and 40K. Like, if you look at the, the artwork for the Coalition mechs and stuff, to me, that looks very reminiscent of, especially in the the the, um, the earlier stuff, it looks very reminiscent of a lot of, like, the Space Marine stuff. Yeah. Which, okay, is, is 40K genre bending, you know, orcs in space. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, I, is. I, it, it is at the end of the day. 
When was the original Rifts released? 91, I think. Let me Google. I was trying to look that up myself because 1990. Yeah, okay. And so, not to not to burst your bubble, but 40K Rogue Trader came out in 87. But right. they could have they could have easily been borrowing. I mean, it's it's easy to, you know, I'm not oh, making I'm, any I... I'm not making any statements here, but it's easy to just borrow ideas or or concepts from here or there or the other place. Oh, exactly. And I don't mean that as a fault. I just it occurred to me I was I was thinking about some of the artwork and going, you know, now that I think about it, that's very Space Marine esque. And and mm-hmm. look, I mean, everything inspires everything, unless you literally you know, grow up in a vacuum, you're seeing things, even if you're not consciously drawing inspiration from them, you, it happens. Right. And you know, yeah, but yeah, I, I think genre bending is, is an interesting, um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Well, no, genre bends are interesting and okay. This is, here's a, here's, we've talked about how much we'd like to play a game in the, in this world that I think is a very much a genre bend is, um, the A and E series, um, Into the Badlands, yes, which is post-apocalyptic kung fu with I don't know what all Western, like uh, it's got all kinds of stuff, everything from like some steampunky elements to it, steampunk to you know antebellum stuff, like it's just it's all over the place, <laughs> but yet it doesn't. I mean. At points, it feels a little hodgepodge, but it doesn't either. It's not forcing it. Yeah. Which I think is its big, big um, benefit. It doesn't force its hodgepodge. Yeah. Like, it, it, you don't go, wait, what? Huh? Yeah. I mean, you do, but like in... In, in good ways, not bad. Yes. So, so there's, there, yeah. Anyone who's looking for something to, to license for an RPG... There you go. Find out who owns that license and do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you if you want to ask me and you want my opinion on what you should be working on next, I think you should be working on an Into the Badlands style game and and get it over to me so I can play test it. And <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I'll even put a quote on the back of your book. This game is good by some guy on the internet. <laughs> okay, go well, here. Tell me if you it is. Is Knight's Black Agent genre bending? Yeah, kind of. You know, it's, you know, action spy thriller meets vampires. I mean, Delta Green's genre bending. Yeah, I guess. Well, it's, it's, it is a um, government conspiracy game mixed with Lovecraftian or, or cosmic horror. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like the X-Files is a genre bend. It's, you know, it's this, this, um, basically cop drama, government procedural. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm wondering, are there more games that are genre bends than aren't? I think the answer to that is yes, because I think it's, it's, it's harder for me to think of games. Like I, I just thought of a game that isn't a genre bend, uh, dead ball, which is what it's, it's baseball. (laughs) Um, or, you know. Yeah, like um, Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons Pathfinder at their core's just pure fantasy, but they're like they're a weird mix of high fantasy because they're not Tolkien. You know what I mean? Yeah, 
they're their own world. And I, I mean, maybe later editions of, of D and D and Pathfinder are not quite genre or are, are more genre bending than earlier. Cause I think like back to a D and D that was pretty straightforward. Yeah. But the more recent editions, you start getting into some of the changes that they've made to races and classes and, and you start looking at some of the stuff and you're like, wow, you've changed this a lot from where it started and what the, what the genre norm is good or bad. I, I don't really have a say in that race, but I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it's changed and evolved a lot over the years. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I, it's an interesting conversation in a lot of ways, even though we've just sort of rambled, but well, I mean, that's what we do. <laughs> But at the same time, and and I appreciate the topic because it has it has been an enlightening sort of a fun topic to get onto, you know. Yeah, but I think I think maybe that's why I like RPGs. You know what? <laughs> that maybe part of it is because by the nature of what RPGs are, you can sandwich these two things together and imagine what it would be like. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's that's the whole I, point. <laughs> I know that's why I like RPGs. I know that's why I come to them because it's like, well, that and in my opinion, certain pieces of media, there's not enough representation like it of what I want. So mm-hmm. stuff like cyberpunk, like I just said, there aren't very many good, you know, hardcore cyberpunk TV shows, but I could get a cyberpunk red game going every week and that would satisfy that itch, mm-hmm. you know? It's it's that type of thing where and I know that I come for the weird genre bends because honestly, you guys have heard it. I listen to what I bring every week to game of the week. It's like, well, what's this weird game that I'm going to talk about this week? You know, Mm -hmm. well, I think that's half of the fun. You're like, I know half the time when I'm looking for game of the week, I'm going, okay, what what can I find that Steve will be mad that I found it? He didn't, (laughs) you know, that was like a retro star. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm mad about RetroStar. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's it's genre is a weird thing in RPGs, and boy, it's it, it it actually makes me think though, you know, because you know what is it that that you're looking for, and how do you know when you found it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, you, you've got this stuff in your head, but do you know what it is? You know, you're 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 looking for that that right flavor of cake but you don't know what it is until you taste it and i think you know maybe that 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 can be it could be good and bad i guess because i think the other thing that that i'm sure you and i deal with this is is there's that thing out there that we're looking for and every time we think oh this is going to be it and then it's not and it's not that what we found is bad but we're like kind of let down that it isn't what we hoped it would be and it, you know, I don't know, do we, you know, or at least for me myself, do I sometimes not enjoy a game as much for what it is because I want it to be something slightly different? Yeah. And is that a trap that we can we can fall into as, as players and GMs that we don't enjoy the moment because we're we're chasing that, that white whale? Yeah, I agree. I think that's exactly what it is. But, well... <clears throat> Let's take a look here. I think we've had a very productive conversation. Thought-provoking at the very least. And so I think with all that thought-provoking, we need to move into Game of the Week. 
Yes, game of the week. Game of the week. Game of the week. Give your voice a rest. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> I have a game called Cyberpulp Daydreams, and that is Cyberpulp Daydreams. It is pay what you want on Drive Through RPG. Welcome to the Convergence, aka the Verge. Before you is Iden, the Titanic pillar set firmly in space. At the center of our core worlds, our ever-present lords, the Trusky. But it, it, it has sort of a mix between space opera and fantasy and all of these cool things. Like I said, it's a pay-what-you-want game. I just picked it up. Definitely something to check out. Definitely a really interesting game. Yeah, that does look interesting. I, I like their... Uh, I like their PDF, even though it's very bland. There's no real art in the PDF, but um, everything is well annotated. Mm-hmm. And yeah, very cool stuff there. So check out Cyberpulp Daydreams. Yeah, very neat. That does look cool. I'm in the process of downloading that right now. Maybe a, a, a one shot to come of that soon because it looks pretty easy to figure out and play. All right. So I am going to go with something that I need to buy for myself (laughs) because you've heard me talk about how much, and despite the fact that I've only read about half of it because I keep getting distracted by other things, how much I think of Warlock, the uh, lightweight kind of Mm -hmm. British OSR fantasy system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the same author, Greg Saunders, has put out a sci-fi space game called Warp Star, which is mm, kind of the same thing, but sci-fi. And, or at least that's the way I understand it. I, I haven't read it, but but glancing at it, that's what it looks like. Um, again, not the, it's not for everybody, right? He, he fonts are a little, little different, whatever. Very kind of minimalist art. But I just like reading what I have of Warlock. I'm I'm in love with the fact that like it does everything you need it to, but doesn't have a lot of just little fiddly bits that you have to remember to account for. Right. And so I'm kind of expecting Warp Star to be that that same way. You know, the system he used in Warlock, he he turned a D100 system, which I'm a fan of in the first place, but he managed to turn that into a very, very simple D20 rollover system, which is so easy for people to understand. Not that D100's hard, but it just, I don't know, it, it, it feels even simpler somehow. No, I get it. That happens. You know, and, and so, like I said, this is, you know, called Warp Star from Fire Ruby Designs. Um, there's a bunch of support content out for it, and he's also um, very open to people putting out like third-party stuff for it. So there's a ton of be it adventure supplemental content stuff like that. It's like I said, I, I'm gonna have to pick it up. Um, PDF's currently going for a little over twelve bucks, but yeah, I think that's cool. on my list of something that that I need to get. Very cool. Well, with that all being said, we have. One more, well, sort of announcement. I, I, I guess you could just say it's an announcement in a way. Mm-hmm. 
we are quite a few months out from this, but want to make sure everybody that listens to our podcast is aware. We are going to be at the Pittsburgh Gaming Expo this October. We will be hosting a panel. We will also be hosting maybe a couple games there live. So if you want to come play games with us, you can check out Pittsburgh Gaming Expo. And that is going to be October 1st and 2nd at the Monroeville Convention Center. So you can check that out on Facebook. Yeah, I'll put a link for the website in the show notes as well. Yeah, very excited. No, yeah, it's it's it'll actually be like the, my first con thing, just because I don't know, I'm a social recluse and don't like people. Yeah, this will be my first gaming convention, but yeah, no, I, I very excited to go and and get this, you know, to to host a panel and to play games with people in person and yeah, do some cool stuff. Yeah, you know, just meet more gamer people, right? Yeah. So if you're local to the Pittsburgh area and you feel like coming out October 1st and 2nd, we'll be there both days. They have their bands listed, some pretty awesome music. Yeah, cool stuff. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll be doing that uh, come October. And uh, as always, links to everything are in the show notes. Discord, Patreon. Yeah, pretty much. Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, anything that you can... You can think we probably have. If we don't have it, let us know and we'll talk about it. But with all that being said, we do want to thank you for listening and be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast, on Discord at Me and Steve RPGs, and as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You gotta go down the street to the store and buy that. All right, so let's hit it. Three, two, wait, now turn on the local. Oh, yeah, I better do that, too. (laughs) Three, two, wait, wait, wait.